Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Before we get going, I uh, have a couple of announcements that I want to share with you. Um, coming up next Sunday, we have our Super Bowl party. Come on, Super Bowl party. All right, two people are excited for it. That's awesome. Our Super Bowl party is happening next Sunday. It is a free event. The only thing that we ask is that you bring a dish to share. We're going potluck style. We'll watch the game, watch the halftime show, uh, be able to play games together, but just spend time in community together. So that is next Sunday. You need to register. All the info you need is online on our website, or you can talk to Pastor Kara Lee if you need more details. The second announcement is that February 25th, is Women's Day. February 25th is Women's Day, and that's at 9.30 a.m. Again, information's on our website. It is $30. It is going to be a great, great day for the women of this church to, to grow together in community, to do fun events. Uh, 9.30. If you need more info, you can talk to Marianne at the info booth. That is all the announcements I have this morning. So, this morning, we are starting a new series um, and if I have not met you here yet this morning, or if you haven't seen me online before, my name is Caleb. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Westminster, and today we are starting a new series on unity. So for the next three weeks, we are going to be looking at what it means to be unified and united as a church and just as a body of believers. How can we as a congregation be united to further the kingdom of God here on earth? Uh, now you may be thinking, uh, did we... Didn't we talk about this last week? Uh, yes, actually we did. Last week, Carolee finished off our series Beyond. Um, and I just want to share something really cool that happened in the last couple weeks of both of our preparation. Uh, both of us felt uh, a pretty big burden for what we're going to talk about today, talking about Ephesians 4, 1 to 9. And both of us felt this calling that we were supposed to speak on it. Um, and it's about being one in the spirit, living according to our calling and our unity in that way. What I think is really cool is that clearly we're meant to hear this this morning, and clearly we're meant to hear it last week, because God put such a heavy burden, I mean a heavy burden, on both of our hearts to speak about unity. So that's what we're going to do. I don't think that's a coincidence that we both just felt the exact same sermon, the exact same message um, this morning. I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. So this morning we're going to be diving into Ephesians 4 looking at the unity that Paul instructs the church to strive for. Today we're going to start off with Ephesians 4, 1 to 9, and that will be on the screen for you as well. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive to this day. I thank you that your word is truth. Lord, this morning, would you just speak so boldly through me? Would you allow me to speak the truth that you have for us this morning? Let nothing I say this morning be of me, but everything of you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, let's dive into this text just a little bit. 
Uh, Paul starts off this passage by saying, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. Another translation finishes that verse off by saying, a manner worthy of the calling of which you have received from God. So what is this calling that we have been called to by God? And there's a few things I want to emphasize here. The first, we need to realize that we are adopted into the family of God. We need to realize that we are sons and daughters of the Father, who in this passage is in all and of all, above all. That is who our Heavenly Father is. We need to realize the hope that we have come to gain through Jesus. We need to realize that the salvation that we have is not of anything that we have done, anything that we prefer, anything whatsoever, only from Jesus. And the last part of this calling is to be the workmanship of God. To, do, to live our lives in good deeds, to set a godly example for all we come in contact with, but very importantly, we are to share and make disciples of all nations. So simply put, this unity that Paul talks about in this passage means that we are to recognize our identity and our salvation, and in light of that, we are to be passionately sharing the gospel, passionately going and making disciples, while doing this, as he said, humbly, gently, with meekness, patience, and bearing with another in love. And I think oftentimes we can hear especially when people talk about the Great Commission. I know here we talk about going and being the church, and we do that, but I think a lot of times, like, the, the passion can fall away quite easily. We can get stuck in the, in the routine of, of, of ministry and of going out and sharing the word that we lose our passion. It becomes a chore to us. It becomes more like a checklist of things that we have to do rather than sharing the love that we have, the love that we've received, the passion and the joy that we find in Jesus. Instead of it being that, it is a checklist of this is what I have to do because Scripture tells me to. And oftentimes I think we give ourselves a lot of space to make excuses, to be honest with you. I think we say things like, yeah, like I share the gospel, I talk to people about Jesus, like I go to church, and I talk with people about Jesus there. But when scripture talks about being, how we are in the world, not of the world, that doesn't mean that we create our own bubble in the world. That means we go, we go to the places that need Jesus, people that need Jesus. We need to go and make disciples. It doesn't say show up on a Sunday, hang out with church believers, which, don't get me wrong, is an amazing experience. Worship this morning, worship team, you guys did an amazing job leading us this morning. It was amazing. But we are to go into the world, go into the places where Jesus is not known and make disciples. And it, it gets a little bit harder when we think about it like that because it takes passion. We need to know the love of Jesus before we can share the love of Jesus. We need to know what it means to be a disciple before we can go and make disciples. And one thing I want to point out is that there is never a point in your life, there will never be a point in your life where you are given a pass on this command. Never a point. It, is, it says, all believers shall go and make disciples. It doesn't say, like, when you reach your young adult to middle age, like, adulthood, like, it's time to go. It's all believers. Everyone that knows Jesus is to go and make 
disciples, young and old. And I think a lot of times, uh, when we even think about going to make disciples, we again make some pretty serious excuses for ourselves and ways to justify not actually living out this calling. We make excuses for ourselves, talking about, oh, this person that you know, I feel like I should probably share about Jesus with, I know needs Jesus, they, they're not going to listen. They don't care about this stuff. Like, they've openly said they don't like religion. Maybe we say, oh, you know, like next time, this time it wasn't the right moment, like, I hear you, God, but like, trust me on this one, this wasn't the right moment. We don't want to come across as pushy, we are afraid that they will react poorly when church, that is not our job as believers. Our job as believers is not to choose the moment in which we share the gospel. We are not to judge others on what they believe. We are not to judge others on their actions. That is not our role. We are not the judge. We see people and say, oh, they, they'll, they'll never care enough to know Jesus. They'll never listen to me. They're going to react poorly. And we make these excuses and we judge them on where they're at. I've even heard Christians say the phrase, they are too far gone. They are too far gone. They're a lost cause. Maybe you've shared with someone over and over and they keep saying no. And we say, that, you know what? This is probably not for them then. Have you ever guys seen the show or heard of the show The Chosen? Yeah, any, any people have seen The Chosen? Yeah? I can't really see hands, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like you guys put some hands up. Awesome. Um, these lights are bright. So in season one of The Chosen, uh, there's a scene in this show that really stood out to me. And if you don't know what the show is about, the show basically just takes uh, the story of Jesus' ministry and gives a, re- a visual representation uh, that we can, we can see and be encouraged by. So it follows the journey of Jesus' ministry. So this scene that stood out to me is a story in Scripture of Jesus healing a leper. And in this scene, we see Jesus and disciples traveling on the road. When all of a sudden, a man comes before them, clearly sick, clearly a leper. Like, in this show, you can tell. He's got, you know, his skin is bleeding and is cracked and gross. And what stood out to me is, um, without hesitation... Instantly, the disciples stepped in front of Jesus. The disciples took a step forward, and one of them in the show actually pulled a knife on the guy, pulled out a blade and said, stay back, for you are unclean. And it's, it, it kind of blows my mind, because at this point in the show, and now this show doesn't necessarily follow like, the correct timeline of Scripture, but in this show, they have seen miracles done before. Each one of them has seen a miracle. Some of them have even been a part of miracles. And their first reaction is not to trust that Jesus will take care of it, but that they need to take care of it for him. They step in front of Jesus and say, get back, you are unclean. Jesus, in this scene, pushes past this man, kneels with him, and heals him. And again, I'm not saying this is exactly how this was legitimately done in real life. Uh, but scripture isn't super clear on the very minute details, but this is how the show represented it. And the way that the show depicted it really stood out to me. Because how many times are we like the disciples in this scene? How many times is there someone so desperate for Jesus, so desperate for some kind of hope, and we allow ourselves to get in the way? 
We allow the things that we believe, we allow the things that we think church should be, we allow the things that we think our lives should be, that other people's lives should be, get in the way of actually sharing Jesus with them. So before in our verse, we, we, before the verse we read earlier, uh, Paul has a prayer that I want to, to read to you this morning. It's in Ephesians 3, and it should also be up on the screen. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Church, if we want to see our communities come to know Jesus, if we want to see this congregation grow, if we want to see our family members, our friends come to know Jesus, we have to be united. We do. United on one thing and one thing only, our calling to go and make disciples. We need to be people that are overflowing with passion. And now, that can sound kind of silly at times, but we need to recognize that the love of God is far more abundant, far greater. Even in that prayer, it says the power of the, of the Holy Spirit, the power of God is so much more than we can even think or fathom. That we need to be passionate, we need to be overjoyed that we have come to experience this love. That we are so passionate, we are so overjoyed that we would then turn and share it with those we know. And we need to understand that if we want to see people become disciples, it will first take us being true disciples and followers of Christ. Knowing that it's not because anything that we do that they will come, but only the power of Jesus who lives through us. But that begs the question, are we being true disciples? What does it mean to be a true disciple of Christ? Well, let's look. Uh, I didn't put this one on the... uh, the slides, so you're going to have to listen to me on this one. But let's look at what it meant for some of the other disciples when they were called. I'm going to read Luke 5, 1 to 11. And it is the, the story of Jesus calling the first disciples. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of, oh man, I'm so bad with names, I'm sorry, Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put, on, put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking." They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon P- 
Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Another translation uses the phrase, they forsook all and followed him. The disciples let go of everything. Everything that they had, and back in that time, like, your job was your identity. So they let go of their entire identity, often leaving their families, their friends, everything to follow Christ. In church, if we want to be true disciples of Christ, we have to be willing to lay everything down. We need to be willing to forsake everything that we have come to love to him. We need to be willing to lay down our hopes, our desires, our preferences, our dreams, our lives down at the feet of Jesus. And if we want to see this unity that we talked about, that Paul talks about in this group of believers, we have to lay everything down. And that includes the way that we do things. That can include the way that the church does things. That can include the way that we personally do our devotions, the way we live our lives. If we want to see us be unified, we have to be in tune with the Spirit. Church, am I excited for the, the, the possibility of this building plan that we've presented? Am I excited for the future of this church? Absolutely. But church, we have a real opportunity right now. We have a real opportunity right now to grow together as a body of believers, to create a foundation that will take us through the next few years. And I, I, I re- my prayer for this church is that we do not waste this moment because we have such an amazing opportunity to prepare ourselves for the, the things that God has for this church and its future, an opportunity to let go and move on and heal from the things holding us back the things that cause us to get in the way like the disciples did in that story. We need to be willing to let go of everything we're holding on to. Everything. Church, why am I emphasizing this so much? Why do I think it's necessary to say this? Like Lee said last week, the enemy is real. Whether we see him, whether we feel his power or not, the enemy is real and we are in a constant battle. A battle in which the enemy tries to undermine every single thing that God does. And can I be honest, church? The enemy is good at what he does. He is. As we begin, as we begin to, to look to our future, we need to be constantly coming back to a place of surrender. A place of letting go of our preferences, of our beliefs, of everything that we have come to know and asking God to show us the truth. Because when we hold on to these things, the enemy celebrates. He does. The enemy celebrates when we have things that we hold on to, that we don't give to Christ, that we don't give to Jesus, because he knows that that is going to get in the way of what God has for us, and we just allow it to happen. And these can be things that are big, such as like issues in your life or or addictions or things that that are, are, are blocking you in that way. This can be things such as how the church functions. Maybe you don't like some of the music. Maybe you don't like preaching. Some of you don't, maybe you don't like the programs or, or you're discouraged by numbers or, or maybe it's become 
just so routine that you haven't felt like God's love has been here. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've, you've, you've been in places where the church has done some serious damage. We allow these things to become more important and take a bigger hold on our lives than we should. And the enemy uses these things. He uses these things to create division, to create bitterness and anger, to attempt to separate us from God. And oftentimes this feels as if we have a wall up. I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I know I have where, uh, you know, I've been struggling with some things and I, I pray and I'm like, God, you know, help me through this. And it just feels like there's this wall where there's this disconnect. And oftentimes it takes me realizing the things that I'm holding on to, the things that I have put before God, saying that I would rather hold on to these things than experience what you have. I'd rather hold on to these things than let them go because I'm afraid of what you're going to say. I'm afraid of what you're going to tell me. But church, those feelings are dangerous. Those feelings are dangerous because the enemy uses those all the time. He uses those things to, d- to destroy churches, to destroy marriages, to destroy lives, to destroy families, because we don't let go and we hold on and get bitter. And we all have to do this, church. We do. We all have things that we let warp our view of Christ, warp our view of the church, warp our understanding of being a disciple and a follower of Christ. We all have things we need to let go of. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come back up this morning. And uh, as I was preparing for this morning, I, uh, I felt this heavy burden to give us opportunity to respond this morning. Again, I don't think it's a coincidence that me and Carrie Lee felt called to speak on very similar topics. I don't think it's a coincidence that I felt such a heavy burden preparing this message. I think this morning, we all have things that we need to let go of this morning. Whether that's bitterness, whether that's hurt from the church, hurt from other people, maybe you've been frustrated with the way that this congregation, this church has been going, whatever it may be, we need to lay these down. So for some of us, that may look like healing. Maybe we need to come and pray and ask, ask God to heal us of the pain that we've been holding on to, that we can let go, that we can give this burden over to him. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiving others for the things that they've done to us, forgiving others for the hurt that they've caused us. Maybe it's forgiving ourselves for the things that we have not let go of, forgiving ourselves for the sin that we have let become so consuming. We need to find freedom in the forgiveness that comes with following Christ. Maybe it's preference. Maybe we don't like certain songs, certain uh, sermon series. Maybe we've become so focused on programs and things that are offered here that we forget the reason why we even meet on a Sunday. The reason that we meet here on a Sunday morning isn't about singing certain songs, not about reading certain translations or certain scriptures. It's about gathering as a body of believers, coming to experience the Holy Spirit, to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, so that we can go and be the church, so that we can be equipped and filled to go and make disciples. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Band, you can, start, you can start playing. So the band's going to play softly in the background to take any, way, any awkward silence, because I know being someone that works in youth, 
awkward silence is a killer. Because youth, if, I mean, I get it too. I can't stand still without something going on. If it's silent, I, my brain just starts firing. So, the band is going to play softly in the background. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me right now. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me right now. And I would ask that you would all close your eyes in respect for each other's privacy. Because I believe that this is going to be an intimate moment with the Holy Spirit. Church, I believe that the Holy Spirit is active right now. I believe the Holy Spirit is dwelling in this place, wanting to challenge us, wanting to convict us, wanting to encourage us and uplift us and show us love this morning. Today I want to give us an opportunity to respond to what we've talked about, to find healing, to find forgiveness, to, to surrender these things, to lay them down at the feet of Jesus, the things we hold on to, and say, Lord, your way is better. Lord, your way is so much better than anything I could imagine. And I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with these things I don't want to let go of. I'm going to trust that you are going to take care of me and you will provide for me. So here's what we're going to do, and, and keep your eyes closed in this moment. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you some things that you need to lay down this morning, telling you some things that you're holding on to that you need to let go of, I would just challenge you to respond by stretching out your hands. Stretching hands out forward is an act and a sign of surrender to Jesus. And that's what I believe we need to do this morning. So if you feel there are things that you need to let go of this morning, just stretch out your hands for the next few moments. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you reign above it all. There is nothing that could separate us from your love. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Challenge us this morning, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. We want you, Lord. for all of you that responded in that way, but we are not done yet this morning. If we want to be united as a congregation, one that bears with one another in love like Paul wrote, we need to support and walk through these things together. We need to be able to pray for one another. We need to be able to pray alongside one another, challenge each other, keep each other accountable, push each other closer to Jesus. In love. Not in opinion, not in preference, not in judgment, but in love. So here's what I feel like we need to do this morning. There are going to be a few of us up here, prayer team, if you could come to the front. There are going to be a few of us up here at the front. If you feel like you need to take a public step forward and come and receive prayer, I would invite you to come and receive prayer. 
but also for those of you who feel like God has been speaking to you in this, this moment, this morning, I would invite you to receive and to pray over one another. Because if we want to be a congregation that is united, we need to be able to pray and support one another. So that's what I would challenge you to do this morning. Everyone in this room, how amazing would it be to see every single person in this room praying for each other, praying for this unity that we speak of, praying that we would come to love Jesus fresh again, that the Holy Spirit would fill us and equip us fresh once again. So let's do that. Let's break into prayer. The band's gonna keep playing softly, but I would challenge you, pray, beside, pray for your neighbor. If you feel like you're, you're being uh, convicted or, or, or told a word for someone, go pray for them because I believe the Holy Spirit is active in this room and that I believe that we need to pray for one another. So we're gonna take some time this morning. If you need prayer and you feel like you need to come up, I would invite you to do that now. If not, pray over one another and we'll continue on in a few minutes, but let's do that together. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your sacrifice on that cross. We thank you that you have given us the opportunity to come, to gather, to experience your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you convict us. I thank you that you challenge us. I thank you that you don't want us to be stagnant or complacent, but passionate about sharing your love. And Lord, as we leave this place this morning, wherever we are, whether we're here in person, at home, in Haida Gwaii, wherever we are, would your spirit fall fresh on us this week? Would we have a renewed passion to share the good news that only you brought with the world? Would we go and make disciples without forgetting that we first need to continuously be made new disciples? I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. And I thank you for this church body and the future that you have for us. Would we not waste this opportunity we have now, but would we be passionate and take a step of boldness this week and this month and this year going forward? We love you, Lord, and we're excited for what you have for us. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, church. We will see you all next week. Reminder, Super Bowl's next week, so sign up. It's going to be a great time. Potluck. It's going to be good food. We'll see you guys next week.